Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. This episode is really sweet. I mean that figuratively and literally. I talked to Carmen Romeo, president of Fascist Chocolates, located in Waterbury. He joined the in-law family business 10 years ago after a career in engineering. I asked Carmen about how the pandemic has affected the chocolate business and about their recent recognition as one of the top confectioners in the country. Also, if you're a chocolate nerd, Carmen has some great pairing suggestions to go with a glass of wine, beer, or bourbon. I also wanted to know, if you're listening to this podcast with just audio, I highly encourage you to head on over to cbia.com to watch this podcast. Carmen has a great background of the Fascia Chocolates facility on display. And as always, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You don't want to miss any upcoming episodes. With that, here's my conversation with Carmen. I want to ask you, because it is a family business, but they're your (laughs) in-laws. So I also wanted to ask you about um, prior, before you came to Fascist Chocolate. So you said in the interview that you were an engineer by, um, by trade. So can you talk about your journey uh, before you came to Fascist Chocolates and then, of course, joining? Um, I think it was 10 years ago, you said? Yeah, just about 10 years ago. Yeah, so how was that journey getting to Fascist Chocolates? Okay, so I was born and raised in Waterbury, Connecticut. I left for college, did not know anything about Fascist at the time, even though they were, at the time, still a home-based business, had just gotten out of their home. So these are the 80s. I left. I, uh, I'm an engineer by training. I went to WPI and joined GE out of school. And with 13 years in GE, I moved around a bunch. And uh, there were three years that I was back in Connecticut where I happened to meet my wife and find out about Fosha's Chocolates for the very first time. And um, I moved her away again with GE. And um, then we came back up to New England with a different company where I was uh, working in uh, sprinkler systems. It was a company called Simplex Grinnell, and I was a national account manager. And then we decided to move back to Connecticut. And it was during that time, and this is in the uh, about you know 20 years ago that I became the general manager of a company. We were a CBIA member at that point. Um, I left that company to run, to become a general manager of a manufacturing company that was a wholly owned subsidiary of a Minnesota-based company. But that's important because it was during this time, of course, that I was, I knew about the, I mean, I was in the family at this point and very interested in business. So I, I helped a little bit and, and, you know, there are times I actually took vacation to go come work in the chocolate factory um, around the holidays, you know, it was just helping out. So I got to know the business pretty well. The real key was in 2008, when my in-laws are in their late 60s, early 70s, still running the business. Three daughters with young children who all were working here, but you know, it's that was their primary thing is the family, not the business. So they were thinking about retiring, thinking about you know selling, hiring somebody to run it for them when they lost their lease. And this was a huge thing. Imagine a mom and pop shop all retail, and you're told with two months notice, you don't have a place anymore. So we moved suddenly into an industrial environment, no good retail, no visibility, no handicap accessibility, and half the size of what we needed. Well, it was during this move, we were, I was already in process of moving the company that I was hired to be the general manager of 
to Minnesota and I knew I wasn't going. So that's where it became somewhat convenient. They ran the business for about a year while what I was doing was going on. And uh, my wife and I made, you know, both an easy and a hard decision. Emotionally, it was very easy to want to run a chocolate shop. Uh, financially and all, it was very difficult to step out of the corporate world into something that I did not know could provide for the family at the time. So that was my quote unquote journey in, you know, they, they let me in, but um, there was a necessity to <clears throat> really work hard and try to rebuild a business. I mean, we were like a diamond in the rough and we still are, we're still a very small company, but at that point we had lost a lot and had to really kind of rebuild who we were. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a really interesting story. So, I mean, you've been there for quite a while, but how was it at first making the transition or making the decision to make the transition from um, sprinkler systems and um, more mechanical work to chocolate? Uh, how, how was that? Yeah, I mean, high tech, high tech, because the company I was running prior to just prior to being here was uh, in cooling systems for electronic devices. So it was, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And having been in, you know, ISO 9000, I've, I've been an auditor. I did Six Sigma stuff. I mean, very, very intense manufacturing processes coming into a mom and pop shop. Um, the one thing I think I learned the most was not to try to take the exact same manufacturing principles and move them into chocolate. I was smart enough to be aware Let's see how this goes. There are definitely principles that we're still putting in place, but it's all been a matter of time. You couldn't force things onto a family business. And, you know, there, I love my father-in-law. We get along phenomenally well. But at that point, you know, he's 85 now. But uh, 10 years ago, you know, there were some headbutting um, going on because I wanted to do things a little differently than he had done for, at that point, 45 55, 45 years. We're 56 years in business now. So, um, but as time has gone on, I've proved myself and I get very little pushback anymore. Well, that's good that you've been able to make little changes along the way. Um, you know, it, working with your in-laws, um, I think that's very noble. <laughs> um, I do work every day with my wife, my mother and father-in-law and two sisters-in-law. So, and you know what? Even working with kids, they push back on you too. So family all around. <laughs> they, they certainly do. Um, so going back, uh, Fascist Chocolates, you were recently named one of the top 12 confectioners in the country um, by Peter's Chocolates. And um, I was doing some research and uh, they distribute um, chocolate. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh this is so weird to talk about. I've never talked about chocolate on a podcast before um, or in an interview, but what what's the quality of that kind of chocolate and why is that your main supplier? Okay. So uh, Peters, Daniel Peter invented milk chocolate back in the 1800s. 1867, he made the discovery. 1875, the company came into being. Um, it is a very high quality chocolate. It has traveled through a couple corporate, it was part of Nestle Corporation for a bunch of years. It's now part of Cargill Cocoa and Chocolate. Cargill happens to be the second largest producer of chocolate in the world. Many people don't know, four companies make up about 70% of all the world's chocolate supply. And even companies that are well known that are thought of as chocolatier or uh, chocolate companies, Godiva, Russell Stover's, Whitman's here in uh, Connecticut, Munson's, Bridgewater, 
we're all confectioners. We buy chocolate and do things with it. So it's all about the quality of what you buy. And we teach here in this building by chocolate experience, which we've had over 40,000 people come through. They've listened to me actually talk about the story of Daniel Peter while tasting chocolate, learning how cacao beans become chocolate. And the one thing that everybody gets is that sensory perception of uh, the feeling of quality chocolate. It's all about micron-sized particles and what your human body can feel and not feel. The standard grade of chocolate, a la Hershey's and others, is of a particle size that people can feel if you really let it melt. The highest quality, fine chocolate, is not just a thrown around adjective. We're talking about micron-sized particles below where the human body can feel. So we start with a very high quality product. Taste, of course, is what matters, but Quality is something you can measure. Um, the, the taste of our chocolate is unique. It's a Swiss style chocolate. It's still made, the milk part of it is still, milk chocolate is made with a cooked method that is not a standard way. It's the same way Daniel Peter did it over 150 years ago. But the entire quality of the chocolate we use. Now, we didn't always use Peter's in our 56 years history, but we changed probably 30 years ago. Uh, from a company that no longer exists to the, what we have today. Um, part of the reason we probably won the award, yes, we love our quality. We think it's great. We think it's world-class, but certainly the fact that we are innovative using the Peters brand was one of the reasons why the Peters company named us one of the 12 best in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about how you've been innovative. Um, you have hundreds of products, I think I, I saw. Um, so how have you been able to be innovative uh, in, uh, to be able to be um, recognized as a top um, confectioner? Well, believe it or not, part of being innovative is staying true to your roots. We do everything in-house, and I can't say that for every confectioner selling chocolate, even though they may make a bunch of their stuff, they might source different things that are harder to make. Well, we're still making everything we sell, including cordial cherries and truffles, hand-rolled truffles, panned cherries. This doesn't mean much to people until they come here and learn what this all means, but we're basically using old-fashioned methods, copper kettles, marble slabs. You would think that going faster is better, well, when you cool something like a caramel on a marble slab for six hours versus cool it down quick on a metal table, we think you get better texture, better flavor. And there's a lot of science behind sugars and grains and things that happen. There's a ton of science in chocolate, by the way. Um, but these are the things, just using the old fashioned methods is innovative. And then we actually continue to do things with flavor. So we do a lot of pairings in the beverage world, wine, spears, spirits. Uh, and adding some chili here and there, lavender, ginger, those kinds of things. But, but we're still, again, it's mostly all doing it by hand and, um, and doing it. And we have some contraptions here, some, my, some of which my father-in-law invented, a couple I invented to help us do things a little faster, but it's still all by hand. When I say contraptions, just ways to move chocolate around and contain chocolate, form patties in the right shape, without doing it by a machine depositing it. Makes sense? So trying to innovate using old fashioned methods. That's so interesting. Innovation, you would think newer, faster, more high tech, and actually innovation for you is 
you know, going back to your roots. I think that's really, really interesting. Um, yeah. So well, what, what innovations would, would be also the fact that we put ourselves on display in this building and do the oh, sure. side of the business. So that's, I guess that's innovative, but more on a business side than a product side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do a Zoom call with you because I, I, I've seen you on other calls with this awesome background and we definitely wanted to put that on display. So you have a nice little sitting area. Um, so it's, it's in a nice location. I know it's right off the highway, right off of 84. So um, it's a great place to, uh, to visit. Um, so I want to ask you, what is your favorite fascia product? And also, um, I really like the idea of pairing different chocolates with different wines. So do you have a, a, a particularly favorite pairing? Absolutely. So when people ask me about which is my favorite chocolate, I respond by saying, well, that's like asking me which my ch children I like the best. And it really depends on the day. Okay. <laughs> so if I had only a couple pieces to choose from, I personally would go with our sea salted milk caramel and milk chocolate with sea salt and our caramel is really phenomenal and i mm -hmm. like it in several forms but i would go with the milk sea salted caramel but then i would default maybe piece number two or depending on the day a dark melt away which is all dark chocolate just softened in the center and it really just has a wonderful we make a bunch of melt aways as well and and maybe even if i'm feeling like something fruity, a raspberry melt-away, mint melt-away, peanut butter melt-away. These are all great pieces. But if I had to pick one pairing, I'm a red wine uh, red wine drinker, so I'll, I'll take our dark chili-infused dark almond cup with sea salt on it and a very dark red wine, a Cabernet or even a Zinfandel. Um, that would be one. We have a mocha melt away, which I could actually pair with many dark beers. So I'm also with like porters and stouts. And I would get into, you know, maybe mocha to pair with that and coffee based beers and things. And that mocha melt away also, by the way, goes with bourbon very well. Uh, Litchfield Distillery makes a coffee bourbon that goes particularly well with it. Oh, another Connecticut uh, manufacturer shout out there. Wow. Okay. So I'm ready to eat chocolate immediately after this interview is over. <laughs> um, that chili infused, that sounds uh, really amazing. Um, I'm sure the, I'm sure the chocolate kind of counteracts the spice a little bit. Is that, is that what it does? Yeah. There's another hot one that we have, which is a habanero sea salt on dark chocolate. So it's a little different. And you know what? You get different sensations with a chili infused. It's a chili oil in the chocolate. So when you put it in your mouth, it has to melt it's a slow heat, but it actually kind of stays with you. So those next three or four sips, you still kind of have that wonderful sensation. Whereas the habanero sea salt, it's all the, the heat is in the habanero infused sea salt, and that dissolves quickly. So you put it in your mouth, you get a burst of some heat, yeah. but a sweet heat, habanero. Mm -hmm. And when you drink whatever you're having, wine, um, it kind of goes away quickly. So it depends on the mood. And I do know people who, they hate me because they say they're addicted to not, they have to have their chocolate with their wine because it makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a whole science behind that. So uh, yeah, I love, I love those tips. I'm definitely writing them down and taking them. Um, so uh, another big question that I've been asking uh, all of our guests on the podcast, um, how have you been doing over the past 
six months since the pandemic hit. How has business been? Um, obviously, you're a little you're a little different, actually very different than a normal manufacturer. They're a part of a supply chain, but you are direct to consumer for the most part. Um, and people have been home for the most part, working from home. Um, so how has the chocolate business been since the pandemic? A great question. Uh, we certainly were impacted. I mean, this happened right before Easter, which is actually our second largest holiday. And so not only, you know, you had a lot of people panicked and it was, and we were, we're essential. Yes. As a food manufacturer, as a retailer, we're essential. We never had to close. Uh, it just made business so much harder. We were down, but working probably five times as hard for every order because a lot of it switched to online and we don't have an automated system. We do have a shopping cart system, but um, it was very difficult. We did reduce our retail hours after Easter for about three weeks, just trying to see how things were going. Opened back up fully for Mother's Day with re normal retail hours. Um, I can say that foot traffic in the store today is actually about normal, except for the fact that we're not doing our tours and events. So I don't have buses and trains and large group events happening. None of the summer camps, none of the senior centers, they all canceled, obviously the month of April and May. And in the summer, that's what kept us busier, even though we only do about 25% of our business in the May through October timeframe, uh, it's still, we're off on days that we would have had a tour. But in general, it's not bad. Chocolate is a necessity to a lot of people. It's a luxury. So perhaps that people being at home, um, you know, it's, it's stayed steady. Again, we're still way off percentage wise, but it's a smaller group. Now you mentioned, yes, we are, although we're predominantly uh, retail, you know, we do have a wholesale business, which I was in, we're, we're planning to build. In fact, as COVID was hitting was, that was my, I was, we have done a lot of things with UPC codes and packaging and, and merchandising for grocery stores. And that was going to be my next thing when COVID hit. So I'm now lifting that part up and, and getting great receptions from some grocery stores. But, you know, we do a lot of business to business and I don't want to let CBIA members go without saying we do a lot of personalized and custom molds for businesses and we put logos into chocolate and those can be given out as single things or within boxes of chocolate and we're actually seeing some companies especially now that many companies are operating remotely they want to connect with their employees so I would encourage the membership here to Think about, you know, chocolate is a great gift. It's not a monetary thing. And you can give away chocolate at very low monetary costs, five, 10, $15 to gifts go a long way. Um, and, and, and we've had several clients who have gone to thank yous or recognizing birthdays just to stay connected to their employees. Um, although we, you know, and that's a big part of why 75% of our business happens around the holidays at that end of year thank you that's a big thing but saying get saying something with chocolate saying thank you for with chocolate throughout the year is also great things for businesses to think about
Yeah, that's such a great point that you make, um, just being able to stay connected. And I believe I have had um, a personalized fascia chocolate uh, square before, and it was very good. And it's really, it's really cool to see, you know, a logo right on the chocolate bar. Um, it's, it's a really great idea. So I'm really glad that you said that. Um, last question I had for you. Um, so business has slowed down a little bit. Um, how have your employees been doing? Um, you know, how have you kept morale up um, or did it just stay up? Um, and what are you looking forward to over the next year? You know, what's what's your outlook for the rest of 2020 and next year, depending on, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen with this pandemic. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, we needed every employee we could get during the throes of the Easter holiday and all of that. And we had several who opted out for different reasons to stay home for COVID. I did not lay anybody off. We paid people through a period. We used the PPP. Um, we ate that up very quickly. Uh, and I actually still have uh, a couple, one employee who's now just coming back when her, her kids are going back to school and, and, and she's decided to come back. But I actually have one employee who is not coming back for COVID reasons. Um, meaning not for herself, but for the family she lives with who are very highly susceptible. So I, I've let her work as remotely as possible. We're just not that kind of a place. It's a lot of hands-on, but I've altered what she does so that she could work at least part-time. Um, but she uh, she's opting really, she was our retail manager actually. So you somebody who has to really be in the store to do things, but um, I've let her continue to do things like um, you know, social media and some web work and things that can be done at home. So we've been impacted, yet we've kept all our employees. We're going to actually need to hire, uh, you know, we restaff uh, here in the uh, fall because leading up to the, again, the holidays, we've been able to use the staff we've had for the summer and our low period, but we're going to have to staff back up. So I'm actually probably looking at two or three more employees, a lot of part-time. We average, we're a 10 full-time equivalent business with over 20 actual names on the roster. There's only four full-time people. Okay. Interesting. Well, I mean, that's, that's good news to hear that you need to hire um, for that next uh, upswing of business. Um, so are you, are you confident for the rest of 2020? Are you confident for next year that business is going to pick up a little bit? Well, again, that's the holiday will tell. Again, we can be down double-digit percentages in the summer and make that up with one corporate client, you know, in, 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 in the case of the holidays and that. So really, we're waiting to see. We're looking at our numbers, um, and I've been on calls with our, we're part of a national organization called the Retail Confectioners International, lots of small businesses like ourselves. And one of the questions that was asked on a recent, um, what we call Kettle Talk, but it's a was a webinar just uh, sharing ideas. Many people are deciding, you know, what their target will be for the holiday. Do you really ramp up as much as you would in normal? And if you don't ramp up and things are normal or good, you're not going to be able to sell chocolate. If you do ramp up and we have a resurgence and just things aren't that good, well, then you're sitting on a lot of chocolate. But uh, we're going to take the optimistic view. And um, as I mentioned, you know, we we have a wholesale outlet that we haven't even touched called independent grocers. And I had 
and I am making some, I'm finally knocking on some doors that I hadn't because we were not ready. We did UPC codes and merchandising and I've gotten some good reception. Just in the last week or two, we've added a couple new stores with commitments for other stores from some of these smaller independent grocers. So I feel for us, their growth was always there to get. We've in, actually invested in our plant and I'm actually investing, I'm actually looking at some solar uh, projects and some expansion within the plant. So I'm being bullish that will grow. Uh, I just hope this coronavirus goes away and we get back to some normalcy, mostly for our in, in events. I'd like to continue to share our sh chocolate story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is certainly one way to share the chocolate story um, with everyone that listens to the podcast. So, uh, Carmen, thank you so, so much for um, talking with me for a few minutes. Um, I have to go get some chocolate right now um, after this conversation. Um, so certainly, I definitely want to visit fascist chocolates uh, sometime in the future. You know, we'll see what happens. But um, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing the products. And I definitely hope that some of our listeners will take advantage of those personalized chocolate bars. I think that's a really great idea to, you know, connect with employees. Um, so thank you so much and best of luck on the, uh, the wholesale project that you're working on. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, we hope normalcy. I think there's people that would hope normalcy because, you know, I come up to CBIA as a delegate to the CMC. And I usually bring chocolate with me and Zoom meetings just haven't cut it. So that's the one thing people want is they tell me when we get back in person because they miss me bringing chocolate to meetings. <laughs> I know. That sounds great. I want to invite you to all my meetings too so you can bring me chocolate. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for the opportunity. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.